Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Uh, no. Hey, good morning to all of my listeners out there. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com internet radio. I'm sorry for that little glitch there, but <clears throat> that was my brother, my guest this morning. I guess he thought I was trying to call him, but it wasn't me. It's actually my uh, fantastic engineer, Randy Meyer, who was probably trying to call him. But uh, nevertheless, let's, here I am, ready to have good discussions with you, my listeners out there. I hope that you all are doing great, and this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And uh, I hope, you know, that you guys out there are all safe and are using your best judgments for dealing and, you know, with the reopening of everything in this country. You know, I know I know that... Um, a lot of people are, are ready and, you know, willing and able, you know, they want to get back to doing the things that they were doing, you know, living their life, you know. Uh, but nevertheless, we still have to be very vigilant in in that approach, you know, because this thing, I call it, this thing is not over. So you guys just be safe out there. OK, I'm not going to, you know, give you any suggestions of what you should do. You know, you're my listeners. I love you all. And now, uh, but I just want you to be safe. Okay. We're going to have a great, great show as usual with educational and great conversations with uh, Michelle Kubis, business coach, and the world's best mental health therapist, Reginald Cedric Campbell. Probably didn't know what the C stood for when I always say Reginald C. Campbell. Now you know. Well, the weather, the weather, the weather. Well, well, well. Okay. It is certainly dry here in the Southwest, okay? I'm sure that you guys have, have been hearing about that. And, you know, I had to really search my mind, listeners, as to when was the last time we had a good amount of rain? And it was a long time ago. And you know how you look on the forecast to see what is the forecast for today, how you should dress, what to expect, so forth and so on. But this is why I say God is in control, because rain has not been forecasted for a very long time, but I will tell you that here in the dry state of Arizona, God is great because we did get rain. I don't know if all areas of Arizona got rain, but we certainly got rain a good amount of it too. And um, that's why I say God is great, you know, and I was so happy to have the rain. And then plus, you know, the temperatures got low, you know, because we were 118 and all of that last week and it certainly lowered the temperatures at one point. Um, during the rain, um, it got down to 66 degrees. I was like, yes, I could turn my the air conditioner off. And I'm sure it was saying, thank you, Jesus. I get a break and um, open up the door in a window, you know, let some, you know, cool breezes blow through. So that was that was good. You know, and I and um, on the same vein as we're talking about dryness, I just want to say that, you know, as we are looking to celebrate the 4th of July, to please be mindful of the dryness that's not only here in Arizona, but other states as well, you know, and um, 
right now it was it was reported the other day that Arizona is fighting 12 fires. That's huge. As long as I've been living here for like 24, 25 years, we've never experienced that. So, you know, fireworks can start fires. And I know you guys want to celebrate the 4th of July. So for all of you who are dealing with fireworks to be just be very cognizant of that. Okay. Now, so much has been happening in our world. It just goes on. And me and my guests are going to be discussing a lot of those those topics. But I want to share with you, listeners, that uh, since we've talked last, I lost my oldest sister, my only beautiful sister, whose name was Thomasina Cunningham. Now, she resided in the state of Illinois. And she left to be with the Lord last Thursday morning, a week ago today. She was a smart, strong woman. She looked after me. And as a matter of fact, she named me Teresa as my mom wanted to name me Phyllis. So I'm happy she advocated and won that that battle. (laughs) She and I would converse multiple times during the course of a day for, you know, my entire life. And we shared lots of laughter and stories and, you know, guidance and suggestions and a stern reprimanding and a shoulder to cry on when needed. She was a surgical nurse. She was trained upon, um, I'm sorry, under the best physicians at Cook County Hospital located in Chicago, Illinois. Now, there were six children born to my wonderful parents, Thomas and Lois Campbell. And now there are three remaining from those births, Milton, Reginald, and myself. Now, we are band together stronger than ever because we know that we need to continue to carry on our life and carry on the Campbell legacy. And we plan to do that with our best foot forward. You know, God is in control, listeners. And this is always something that you have heard me say multiple times during my broadcast. And I will continue to say it. Give individuals flowers while they can smell, see, and enjoy them, meaning be nice, loving, and kind to people who love you and who you say you love them. Call them, send them a note asking, how are you? How's your day? I wish you the best. I was thinking about you. Send them physical flowers just because or other small gifts, if possible. Tell them that I hope your day is fabulous. Just make sure you stay in contact with them, not just on holidays or birthdays, you know, but celebrate them as much as possible. There is nothing stronger than love, listeners. Nothing. As God has instilled enough love within us to love ourselves, first and foremost, And then to love everybody on this planet and still have large amounts of love remaining within us. Can you imagine, listeners, the power of that if we were to practice this on a consistent basis in our lives? What a different world this would be. I deeply miss my sister. However, I have lots and lots of great memories 
me and my siblings. Praise Almighty God for that. And I know that she is in a better place with no more suffering, no more concerns about stupid things, and she is still watching over her family. Rest in peace, my beautiful sister, Thomasina. Okay, thank you for listening to that, listeners. I'm going to bring on my fantastic guest, my brother, Reginald Cedric Campbell, the world's best mental health therapist. And I, I'm even going to throw in that, you know, he, he's a handsome guy, but you can't be telling him that all the time. Good morning, Reginald. Hey, hey good morning, Phyllis. I mean, uh, uh, Teresa. Oh, oh, I'm going to uh, spank your behind, okay? <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to spank your behind. <laughs> Okay, I'm always saying I'm always saying that I'm going to speak. I'm going to do that. Okay, and also I'd like to bring on Michelle Kubis. She is a phenomenal business coach. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Teresa, and my heartfelt condolences to you and Reginald and your family. Thank you so much, Michelle. I really I really appreciate it. And you know, listeners, this is this is um. Before we get into our topics of discussion, and I was saying about giving people flowers and things like that. Well, I've been knowing Michelle Kubis for probably a decade and a half now. I don't know. Time goes by so fast. And she, in the honor of my sister, has had a tree planted in Israel. And um, and uh, there's a certificate and her name is on the tree and things like that. I mean, what a beautiful way to honor you know, my sister, and I so appreciate um, you, Michelle. I know I told you before, but I'm telling you again, because every time I think about it, I'm like, that is so cool, so kind. So I just want to say thank you again, Michelle, for being an outstanding friend. I appreciate it. It's a living testament. Yeah. And and what's stronger and longer than a tree? (laughs) You know, forever, forever. Yes. Okay, let's get started. Now, you know, I, I, I we know we're gonna we have uh, some topics to, to discuss, but um, I also um, am starting something new, um, like you know, like you have open mic night. Well, I'm gonna have open topic. So if uh, you know, after we're done, you know, with some discussions, I'm gonna open it up. If there's a topic that has yet to be discussed. And that um, you and um, Reginald, who's going to get a spanking, would like to have, you know, have a topic of discussion, you know, open it up discussion for all three of us. That's what I would like for for the show. I know I didn't give you a whole lot of warning about it, but that's me. (laughs) Okay, so let's start off with something really uplifting. Uh, Wilson Wong of NBC News reported that a customer left a $16,000 tip at a New Hampshire restaurant after ordering only $37.93 worth of food and drinks earlier this month. Now, the report says the male patron who was not identified tagged the generous trip tip to his order of two chili dogs, fried pickle chips, and a few cocktails on June 12th at the Stumble Inn Bar and Grill in Londonderry, about 30 miles southeast of Concord. He's kind of a mystery man, the bartender Michelle McCudden told the news station. I've been doing this a very long time, and I never thought anything like this would happen to me, 
Staff members at the restaurant split the night's tips evenly, but the eight servers working that evening wanted to extend the gift of generosity to the cooks, too. McCutton said everybody was incredibly grateful for the customer's kindness, particularly with the pandemic forced more than 110,000 restaurants, you know, bars and things to shut down, you know, during this pandemic. She says, we went up and we thanked him, McCutton says. It's been uh, a really rough year for all of us. For someone to do something like that really restored my faith in humanity. And that's a great thing. I myself am a very generous tippers listener. Um, I love doing it. You know, I love this story, you know, really hit home with me. And more of these stories I feel should be told. And I think that in doing so, it will counteract a lot of the darkness in our world. Meaning if they were to report more on stories of love and light, because there is a lot of love and light in our world. So what do you think about this generous gift story, Reginald? Uh, well, well, first, I uh, just want to say good morning, Michelle, and um, I'm glad you're doing well, and, and thank you for that kind gift of, um, of, of planting a tree. In, in, oh, in you're welcome. Sister. Right. We, we, we really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, as far as this gentleman, I, I, I think that's great because, you know, it, it, you know, we need, we such need such acts of kindness right now you, you know um mm-hmm. uh one of the uh, gentlemen that i admire um uh, joe madison always talks about you know what what we can do you know um and so we can always do something to to help somebody to brighten their day and 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 mm-hmm. i just think it's, it's it's great and god bless him you know first of all for having the means the financial means to do that and secondly mm-hmm. god bless him for wanting to do it and, and doing it. So I, exactly. I, I just think it's great. I think it's mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's heartwarming. Very much so. Michelle, your thoughts? Yes. Well, I used to live in California before I moved to Arizona. And um, one year, it was during the holidays, and I said to my husband, I said, you know, wouldn't it be great if the police would stop people and give them like a, a certificate to go to have a meal or, uh, you know, just a happy thought rather than always people being scared to death when the police, this is long before all this other stuff was going on. And mm-hmm. wouldn't you know the next week in the newspaper that there, there were a police department in Orange County was doing just that. They were, they were giving out Whopper uh, gift certificates stopping mm-hmm. people and wishing them happy holiday. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought, wouldn't that be a great way to, you know, really sort of start to change the feel of, you know, the police are supposed to be there to protect you, not to harm you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if, I think it would go a long way if they did things like that, you know, good driver citations and, you know, that kind yeah. of thing rather than always negative. Yeah, that would be a good thing, you know. You pull a person over, and he, you know, maybe is unsuspecting. Okay, oh God, here we go. Let me get my my driver's license and insurance registration. You know, only for the police to come and say, you know, I really admired how you stopped to let, um, you know, these people come out in front of you, and you know, for that, here's a, you know, I don't know, I'm just saying a twenty five dollars yeah, exactly. certificate, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And and then the thing is, is that. You know, this is what I'm saying. Once we start 
putting that more out into the atmosphere, you know, it would dumb darkness down tremendously, <laughs> tremendously, you know, it, it, it would be a, it would be a great thing. So hopefully, you know, just like from, from, from your mouth to God ears with the, what you were talking about, um, uh, Michelle. So hopefully with what we're talking about now, the energy will get out there and, you know, and, and, and do some goodness. That's what, that's what yep. my hope is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about the um, Fauci warns of dangerous Delta variant is the greatest threat to the U.S. COVID effects. This is being reported by NPR on June 22nd, 2021. It says in part the dangerous Delta variant of the coronavirus is spreading so quickly in the United States that it's likely the mutant strain become predominant in the nation within weeks, according to federal health officials and a new analysis. Now, Fauci says we have the tools, so let's use them and crush the uh, outbreak, you know, he says. So now, Michelle, let's start with you. There's also, you know, critics that are saying that this is something that is now coming to light because the Biden administration has is falling short on its, um, you know, original thing of wanting to um, have X amount of people inoculated by July. Do you think that there's anything like that behind this? Well, I I haven't become cynical like that yet. Uh, I believe that everybody has a responsibility. You hear people talking about all their rights all the time. Yeah. And I think there's not enough discussion about what your responsibility is. And all, the fact that people are refusing to get this inoculation, I think is more to blame than anything. Mm-hmm. And yes, you have a choice and all of this stuff. And some people mm-hmm. just can't take it. But that if every if the majority of people would, would just step up and do their civic duty to protect their community... I think we would we would knock this thing over, but just, yeah. that's not what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now there's there still are people <clears throat> going out there to get it, but they had an aerial view. Um, I don't know if it was one of the the, the uh, stations here that that's that's given the um, uh, you know the inoculations or not, and they were just showing the you know the. Uh, the demise, you know, or the lessening of the cars that was there, you know, before. Um, Reginald, what is your thoughts about this? Well, I, I, I don't think it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm not so cynical to think that, um, you know, this Delta thing, uh, variant is being pushed because the Biden administration is, you know, is, is falling short. Uh, just mm-hmm. think of where we were a year ago and mm-hmm. where we were six months ago and mm-hmm. how far and how much uh, President Biden has done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, e- even in negotiations, you know, when you're negotiating with someone, I mean, you know, Michelle, you know, Terry, you, you know, you know, you guys know this. When you're negotiating, mm-hmm. you don't get everything that you want. Exactly. You know, you, you kind of mm-hmm. give and take. So I'm using that as an analysis to say that, again, look where we were a year ago and, 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 and where we are now. So, you know, if they're falling short of the amount of inoculation, OK, you know, I. Actually, I expected that, but look yeah. how much has been done. Um, mm-hmm. And and everyone has to, 
uh, you know, make the decision on their own if they want to get it, if they don't want to get it, if they can take it, you know, all of those decisions. My issue comes with the willy-nilly anti-maskers, the ones who never decided that they were want to get it, the, you know, QAnon and all of this stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. then throw Trump <clears throat> in with it itself. You know, it, it, it's not real. It's going to go away. It's a hoax. It's a witch hunt, you know, and, mm-hmm. and all of the things that the Republicans are still doing uh, yeah. regarding regarding the virus. So so that's my that's my issue with, with that. Yeah. Now, the report goes on to say at a White House briefing on COVID-19 on Tuesday, Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institutes of Health said 20.6 percent of new cases in the U.S. are due to the Delta variant. And other scientists tracking the variant say it is on track to become the dominant virus variant in the U.S. The Delta variant is currently the greatest threat in the U.S. to our attempt to eliminate COVID-19, Dr. Fauci said. He noted that. The proportions of infections being caused by the variant is doubling every two weeks. Now, this was first identified in India. It is the most contagious yet and among those not yet vaccinated may trigger serious illness in more people than other variants do, he said. Just the fact that it's so transmittable means that it's dangerous. And so I think you'll see outbreaks of Delta around the country and more people would get sick from it. This is a gentleman that Lee just made that statement. So Fauci uh, says the rising threat posed by the Delta variant makes it more urgent than ever that more people roll up their sleeves to get vaccinated, especially given how close the country is to finally getting back to normal. Well, what I'm what I'm saying is that, you know, let, let me also say this. He says we have the tools, so let's use them and crush the outbreak you know, let's let's get this done. So here's my thing. You know, some people think that because, like you were saying, Reginald, that the Biden administration is not meeting this initial request for having more people get immune, uh, you know, immunized by July 2021, and is using the variant as a scare tactic to get more, you know, to get people out there to get the shot, you know. And there's some people are saying, well, you know, it's all the pharmaceuticals wanting to make money and so forth and so on. Well, I do agree that I'm not uh, thinking that that this is something that the Biden administration is doing just for no, some type of notoriety. You know, I think that's kind of a sick analogy or theory that people come up with. Um, I admire the uh, Biden administration, um, you know, that they did put forth such a, a, a valiant effort to get the number of people that are, you know, inoculated, inoculated, you know, so that that's a great thing. But, you know, so many naysayers, Reginald and, and Michelle, come up with so many crazy things, you know, that the government is not telling the countries, you know, the actual truth and the truth to all, you know, this will be revealed soon, you know, okay, maybe so. But, you know, scripture says, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, be sober and vigilant. So, you know, I, I think that, as you had touched on, Reginald, that people need to be very cognizant and make sound decisions like you also said, Michelle. You know, so I, I, you know, but then, you know, you have the people who didn't believe and still don't believe that there was such a thing as COVID anyway, you know. So 
and they didn't want to wear masks and all of this kind of stuff anyway to to protect themselves or or the populace, you know. So, any other thoughts before we move on? Well, I know people need need to take it seriously. Uh, if you've known anybody who has this this horrible disease or any of the healthcare workers, I think mm-hmm. it's selfish not to be able to. That's the least we can do is roll up a sleeve and get a, a shot. And then they're, mm-hmm. they're talking about getting a booster if, if yeah. within the next six months because yeah. of this variant. So I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I just, I guess I'm not that cynical to to think that they would do this uh, en masse to hurt the, the general population. Of course not. Not this administration anyway. <laughs> not this administration well, anyway. Uh, um, uh, Biden, um, you know, I've I've been following him for a long time. Biden is 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 a very stand up guy, a very loving and caring guy. So this is not anything that is of his character at all. You know, this is not something that that he would do. So um, I just I just um, you know I was talking with two ladies in the um, dental office uh, recently, and they were saying how. One lady spoke that she every year she would have pneumonia. And just from her wearing the mask, she has not had pneumonia, <clears throat> excuse me, for the past couple of years. So remember when Biden was talking about the strength of the mask. And I I made I, I came up with this. I was discussing it with uh, discussing it with my brother and my husband that. A lot of people are of this ilk. Well, if they don't, if it's not, if it, if there's a um, a slapper and he's going around slapping people, then if you never got slapped, well, I don't believe that there's a slapper until you get slapped. So, you know, so if they don't see like a big cloud of dust or something like that on the mass, then they're not going to believe it. The thing is, is that we don't have microscopic or angelic eyes. So if you were to put that up under the microscope, your mask from wearing it out in the course of the day, and just look mm-hmm. at all of the stuff that's under that mask. It would blow your head back, you know. So, but right. my my hope is is that um, I've I have always said twenty twenty two, but you know I I still say it'll be twenty twenty two, and um, you know with this new variant and for all the people who can't take the 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 vaccine because there's a lot of people who cannot take the vaccine, I would like for them to open it up with the antibodies and uh, because that's, that's just something that is so natural. Okay. And so for all of these people who have these allergies and so forth and so on, if there's okay, you got all these allergies here, take this antibody. And then they right. just need to continue to do things to, to promote health, you know, resilience in their immune system. But I, I think that I know that I think that's what, <laughs> what needs to be done. Okay. Um, before I go on, because I want to talk about the medical industry, Reginald, do you have a topic that you would like to discuss for uh, Michelle and I and our listeners? Um, you know, actually, actually, I don't. And I hate to say that, but. <laughs> well, you bet, listen, listen to. here. You're, the spanking is still coming to you. So you got time. <laughs> you, you got time. OK, so let's 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 uh, let's talk about the medical industry. Okay. Now, you know, there's a lot of controversy in the medical industry. I've discussed it with both of my guests that are on here now, and it hasn't been 
you know, the discussion hasn't been one that's in a glorified light about the medical industry. Um, there's been a lot of talks, especially dealing with people of color, about the lack of care that people of color in particular are getting from the medical industry. And I know that I, being a person of color, have experienced this greatly, particularly in the last, I want to say, four years. And this year, it has really gotten worse with the lack of care and and other things that are associated with them taking their Hippocratic oath and so forth and so on in helping individuals to deal with what it is that is that is persisting them uh, to come. I'm sorry, that has made them come to the doctor because something is persistently dumbing down their health. So, Reginald, I would like to start with you first, being a, a person of color, and also um, um, then I want to hear from you, Michelle. What do you think? Because as you and I talk, we talk about the doctors that we went to when we were coming up because our parents kept us at, you know, doctors, something needed happened like Dr. Uh, Simon M. Rosen. He was our pediatrician. And um, uh, whenever anything happened, you know, we would go to him and he was he would do great care uh, for us. So what do you think could be some of the drivers of you know, doctors saying things to their patients that is totally obscure, like, well, you're African-American, so uh, African-Americans have more this and that than any other race on God's planet. So, you know, without any testing or anything, without any further ado, I'm just going to say that you're going down and this is what you need to do. You understand what I'm saying, Reginald? Can you speak of any experiences that you have had in the medical industry uh, to talk to our listeners about? Yeah, that's that's my frustration of, uh, you know, whatever, regardless of what it is, if it's a hangnail that, you know, Blacks, African-Americans have more than than, than anyone else, you know, that's Mm -hmm. my frustration. I mean, seriously, if it's whatever it is, African-Americans have more of it. And mm-hmm. uh, and and unfortunately, I think, uh, you know, we're talking and I was mentioning uh, uh, Trump and the administration, you know, the last so-called administration. Mm-hmm. It's made it easy even for people in the medical field to come out with their biases and their and their prejudices. Yeah. You know, so this has had a trickle down effect in everything. And unfortunately, it's had that trickle down effect in the medical industry and so mm-hmm. much for the Hippocratic oath that you look at a person regardless of who, what they are, sex, creed, color, whatever, you know, they are there to be, to be looked after, respected and, and cared for. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, I've, I've had an experience last year uh, or about a year before, you know, when I was going to, to a guy and, um, and and this was a man of color uh, that I was going to, uh, mm-hmm. and, and and he wouldn't listen. He just, you know, he would not listen to anything that 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 I had to say, and mm-hmm. which was frustrating to me. And you know, I was there for care, and it was frustrating to me. Then you fast forward earlier this year, uh, when I met um, the nurse practitioner who um, uh, referred me to. The other physician, you know, the the 
position that she said her kids go to referred me to him. And it was uh-huh. a big difference. The first mm-hmm. time I saw him, I had a, lo- a longer conversation with him in just that one visit that I had with the other guy three or four or five times that I went with him. And the mm-hmm. nurse practitioner as well, just really warm, caring, um, you know, ask questions, laugh, joke, hey, how do you do, you know. So I had longer mm-hmm. conversations with, with her, her name is Sarah, than I had with, with this guy. Yeah. So people have to understand that, you know, the care, the health industry has to understand that, you know, when people are coming to you, they're coming in a time of need, in, in a time mm-hmm. when they're, you know, maybe afraid, maybe, maybe anxious. I know when I go to the doctor, I'm, I'm anxious, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, except when I went to doctor, <clears throat> doctor I had in Chicago for 10 to 12 years, Dr. Daniel Chen, who was great. He was, mm-hmm. he, he, he was great. He, he even laughed at my silly jokes. Um, you know, well, my mm-hmm. jokes are good, so you know they were worth laughing. Mm-hmm. That's a um, matter of opinion. If, well, wow, see, see, Michelle, see, what I have to, <laughs> you know, see, see. Oh yes. <laughs> see, see, you know, okay. you know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, but that, but that care that uh, you know we got as kids with Doctor uh, Doctor Rosen. You know, it's, it's just mm-hmm. not there. And you hear so, and I know you guys have as well, I've heard so many people talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dr. Feinhandler, I, I couldn't remember yeah. his name. He was another doctor. And his brother was an um, ophthalmologist. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And um, um, I can't think of our, our uh, pediatric um, eye, eye doctor, um his name his name begins with a P, but it'll come to me. Michelle, uh, I would uh, like to Pirelli. hear Dr. Pirelli. Oh, Dr. Pirelli. Thank you, Dr. Pirelli. Fabulous people. Fabulous. Um, uh, Michelle, I'd like to hear um some of your beginning comments on this subject. Well, the fact is women have suffered for decades that mm-hmm. uh people uh, the people are oh, yes, and then women, the doctors often do not take women seriously, uh, especially they, oh, they're hysterical, they're this, they're what, they're who. I had a, uh, with my daughter um, when she was just bo- a newborn, and I had this situation which she was she was crying incessantly. I mean, she wouldn't stop. It wasn't just colic. And I've been around enough infants to, to be aware, and uh, I clinked a spoon on her gum and she teased it at two and a half weeks old. Mm-hmm. And I called the doctor's office and they thought I was crazy. So I mm-hmm. couldn't wait to take her in there and show them the tooth because they just wouldn't listen to me. Uh-huh. Because first time mother, you know, just uh, uh, out of the universe. So yeah. a lot of times women are misdiagnosed. Uh, because mm-hmm. people just don't listen. And I think that's the nature of the industry. It's become very robotic. I think they're very symptom-driven, that we need more holistic uh, views of the how the body works. And I think, once again, it's back to people with your own body. You need to know how your body works. And, and then you can have an intelligent conversation and, mm-hmm. and connect some of the dots. The the doctor doesn't have a magic wand to figure out what's wrong with you. Exactly. So, 
Exactly. And see, and that's my frustration. I always have to sit, you know, sit them down and have more than a sidebar with them, you know, and tell them nobody knows thee better than God and me. You know, the Quaker old man used to say, nobody knows thee better than me. I augmented and said better than God and me. Um, and, and you need to listen instead of you telling me something, you know, um, I, I let me tell you about my body because I've been in it all my life. So how are you going to tell me what I'm feeling? I come here to tell you what I'm feeling. And then you're telling me, no, I'm not. I mean, this it's just ridiculous. And I do um, agree with you, uh, Michelle, that women are not listened to. I was just discussing that with my husband yesterday. They're deemed as, oh, they're just hysterical or they're just, you know, blah, 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 blah. We, uh, uh, you know, when I was in Chicago, I had a fabulous uh, OBGYN. Her name was Dr. White, a fabulous woman of color. Um, we've been, it, it has taken me over 20 years to find a good OBGYN where I'm presently living, you know, and I'm chuckling about it, not because it's funny, but because it's just like, I'm just relieving myself of the frustration for all the years, you know, um, um, you, you tell uh, often, not uh, often, more often than not in anybody in the medical industry listening to us, you guys need to listen to people, you know, uh, you need to give, give an exam more often than not. You, you, uh, the patient comes in and sit, sit, you know, you sit down original. They don't, you know, so the, the, the MA or whatever nurse would take your, um, temperature and take your, uh, you know, weight, those kinds of things. But the doctor doesn't even, you know, uh, listen to your heart hardly anymore. Remember, that was some of the first things they did. Look in your throat and, you know, those kind of generalized things. And all of those things has, you know, basically dissipated. They just sit down and, and mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh. And then want to prescribe you medication that, you know, that they are on board with. So every time they prescribe you a pill, they're going to get, a, a, you know, a, a percentage of that, of that you know, that they sell to you. So I, I just, you know, I just find it very interesting that I'm hearing it from people of color. And then I'm also hearing it from more and more women now, whether it's OBGYN or I hurt my foot or, you know, I'm not feeling well, you know, um, um, I will tell you, listeners, that I'm running into people that are uh, that are uh, from, you know, another state. And they're flying all the way back to their state to deal with the doctor that was there because they can't deal with the doctor to, you know, where they're presently residing. That's really crazy. That that's really bad. But I did come across an interesting um, articles, you, uh, article, you guys. It's called Aging Patients and Doctors Drive Nation's Physician Shortage. This is by Patrick Boyle. Boyle. He's a senior writer for AAMC. Now, a new AAMC study projects a shortfall of 37,800 to 124,000 physicians by 2034. Experts say that more graduate medical education slots can help fill the gap. A growing and aging population that will need more care combined with an aging workforce of physicians nearing retirement leaves the United States facing a severe shortage of doctors as it tries to address health system vulnerabilities that were exposed by COVID-19 warns a new report by the Association of Medical Association, I'm sorry, Association of American Medical Colleges, for all of you who don't know what the AAMC is. 
Now, this country's rapidly increasing demand for physicians over the next 15 years will outpace its supply, leading to a shortage of about 37,000, as I said before, <coughs> excuse me, and 124,000 physicians by 2034. Now, they also talked about that nurses and PAs, they're saying, are cru- crucial to the shrink shortfalls. I'm not agreeing with all of that. So many people are becoming APRNs and PAs that they will help to meet some of the rise in demand for health care provided by physicians. If current growth rates of APRNs and PAs continue, the report, the report notes the supply of these providers will more than double over the next 15 years. There are currently about 290,000 APRNs and 139,700 PAs, according to the report. Now, the growth exceeds the projected growth in demand for their services, the report notes, creating more opportunities for these these individuals to meet some of the growing demand for health care. So my thing is this, and I'm sure that you have noticed, uh, Reginald and, and, and um, uh, Michelle, and also my listeners, that a lot of times you don't even get to see the physician. You're talking to the MA or the PA or the, you know, the APRN. And it's like, oh, well, you know, you'll see the doctor when it's when it's, you know, really crucial or something for you to to see the doctor. Um, Now, Michelle, are you comfortable with that? Like when you go to a to one of your um, appointments and um, you're there being, you know, talked to and briefed, you know, by a PA or APRN. And it's like, OK, is that, you know, you'd be thinking that the doctor is going to come in shortly thereafter and that 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 doesn't happen. So what what do you what do you think about that? Okay. I just had that happen when I broke my leg. Uh, I'm seeing what they call a PAC, the physician's assistant at the place where I had my hip replacement. So he's uh-huh. not a surgeon, but he's, you know, he he's the one who's. Uh, administering to me now with this broken leg, reads the x-ray and whatever. So I don't have a problem with that because I've had a relationship with the clinic before. Uh-huh. That's the, so I have confidence in that. If I don't, uh-huh. I will. Yeah. And that's another thing is that people have to be self-advocates. They yeah. can't sit there and Google-eyed wonder at these docs because they don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really think people need to advocate for themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, especially with the experience that I had back in March, I'm like, you know, really? Reginald, I'd like to hear your comments. Yeah, I, I agree with, with Michelle that, and, and we've talked about this as well, that your people have to, um, you know, advocate for themselves. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think... Um, um, you know, doctors in the medical industry have to take a holistic view and a holistic approach of, of a person. It's not just, you know, the, 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 the cognitive and the physical are so connected and the family mm-hmm. is so connected. Um, mm-hmm. What the person eats, what their stress level is. I mean, all of those, all of those things are just so important. Uh, I mean, I know just, you know, just as a therapist, that's, that's important, you know, the, the holistic point of, of, uh, of, of treating a client or, or working with the client, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
And uh, again, uh, you know, to talk about my doctor, Dr. Chen, and I was in Chicago, yet he always listened to my heart and lungs and things like that. And so mm-hmm. when I started going earlier this year um, um, to Sarah, the nurse practitioner, and, you know, she, okay, uh, Reggie, let me listen to your heart. Let me listen to your lungs. I was surprised because in between that time, no one had done that. You know, and I'm like, oh, wow, she's listening to my heart. She's listening to my to my lungs. And and the other doctor that I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Michelle. No, it's it's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and the doctor, uh, Dr. Jaffe, that I go to as well, you know, the same thing, you know, listen to my heart, listen to my lungs. And I was surprised at that, which unfortunately, you know, I had to be surprised about mm-hmm. that because just those little things like that make mm-hmm. a big importance uh, to, to a patient, I know for me. And just their mm-hmm. bedside manner is yes. just, you know. Man, yes. you gotta have that. You gotta have that relationship with with a person. You yeah, because you got to have that. You know, because they they talk to you. They want to administer you medication and or test you out of out of you know just test you to test 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 and or okay, let me do a procedure. You know, like colonoscopy. That seems to be the flavor of the year. Colonoscopy. And um, a lot of times, you know, it has been my experience, they didn't even give you a full exam exam to even know, do you have, I'm getting graphic, do you even have an anus or anything back there? But, oh, no, let me schedule you for a a colonoscopy. Instead of let's find the root cause as to why you're having GI issues or as to why you're having this or why you're having that. Um, There there are a lot of times, uh, Reginald and Michelle, that the root causes uh, the things that can be, you know, that once you find out what, what the root cause is, you know what I'm saying, Reginald, is that once you find out the root cause, then we can deal with it at, do deal with it on that level so that you don't have to go under anesthesia and, and or take a lot of, you know, uh, medicines that you don't know what all is, is contained in them. You know what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. now, yeah. yeah, you know, so, uh, but they don't want to do that. It seems to me mm-hmm. that, you know, they want to come in for their 10 or 15 minute talk with you. And it's like, OK, I got a lot of patients, you know, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, I mean, who talks to a patient like that? You know, they do. <laughs> and that's the reason well, that people are so frustrated right now, Michelle, because I people think, aren't being listened to. I'm sorry. Go well, ahead, Michelle. No, I think part of the problem is when medicine shifted from being a, an intimate service to becoming a business model. And oh, that's yeah. the same the same thing with hospitals. They used to mm-hmm. be all nonprofits and mm-hmm. they weren't looking at the bottom line, you can't buy too many boxes of gauze heads, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. And uh yeah. I, I think we need to re revamp that and part of that is the American Medical Association. They uh-huh. laid down a lot of these guidelines and uh this is a numbers game with them. How many people can they churn through the office? And mm-hmm. uh, it's it's just, it, it ain't what it used to be, as they say, that yeah. the, the people went into this profession. You know, it's really difficult. And you don't go into that profession to make money. That's, but they do. You but know what yes. I mean? It's, yes. It's yes. not and, like building a car. Uh-huh. Exactly. And uh, I refer to it as treating you like cattle, you know, and that's what I was meaning when um, I said um, 
a moment ago, you know, it's like, okay, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What do you want? What do you want? You know, and as, and as far as, um, with the medicines, I mean, look at the, 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 um, ridiculous amounts of commercials on television about medicines, and then just listen to the fast talking guy, um, at near the end or in the middle of the commercials who, who speaks about the side effects, you know, how many of these things tell, you know, and even death lose loss of hearing, you know, blindness and, you know, and, and they just blur this out like it's okay. And that, you know, you know, and, but we're going to talk about this anyway. And that's when the advocacy of yourself comes into play, you know, because, you know, like a lot of doctors would say, well, you know, you, you have a, um, a shortage of L-glucosamine. I'm just making up something. Okay. Well, you know, if you were to do research, there's a tremendous amount of foods that has, a huge amount of L-glucosamine in it that you could just do these things naturally. But they don't want to talk to you about anything natural. But very quickly, Reginald, as being two people of color here, and I talked about the, you know, the, dis- uh, um, I didn't, you know, the disparaging remarks and, and treatment that people of color are, are you know, are, are experiencing in the medical field. Um, what are a couple of things that you feel need to be done to, you know, curtail and or alleviate this treatment of people of, of color when they come to uh, see I, a doctor? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, one of the main things, I don't know what, what Michelle was talking about, you know, I think it'll start with the AMA um, mm-hmm. uh, because of the guidelines and rules and things that, that, that they set down. And mm-hmm. and also again, if it's it's it, it's a it's for profit, and, yeah. You know, it's 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 a numbers game. It's, mm-hmm. it's like an assembly line, and yep. that's all they're concerned about is the bottom line. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you had mentioned, uh, you know, you see these commercials, and then you know the guy talking about all the side effects. You know, that's their disclaimer. So, okay, yeah, you take this medicine, but you, we gave you a disclaimer regardless of how fast we, we said it or printed it or the tiny, tiny, tiny printing on the bottom of the screen or, or the advertisement that you see in the newspaper or whatever. That's our disclaimer. So if you take this and you grow a third leg, hey, you know, we did tell you, you know. Yeah. And, and, and my thing is how, how does that medicine get on the market? With, exactly. You, know, you want to take it for this one thing. And they're talking about 10 or 15 side effects. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know, but that's what I'm saying, um, Reginald Michelle. They say this so easily, like it's like, and so what? You, you know, you die. So what? You, you know, like you're saying, you grow a third leg or, or, or whatever. And, and so then, so then Michelle, I want to. Um, uh, uh, pose a question to you, and I know that it starts with the powers to be, you know, the American Medical Association, but in regards to women, like if there's any doctors or, you know, out there listening to us, like what are some of the things you would like to say in, in the treatment of women when women come into your office and they're, and they're explaining to you, what do you think needs to be better done so that maybe people will We'll see them in a better light as that they're that they're not seeing the medical industry in right now. Well, I think part of it comes from their actual training. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a wonderful movie uh, years ago with John, I think it was William Hurt, and it was uh-huh. called "The Taste of His Own Medicine," 
And he uh-huh. used to refer to his patients by numbers. And by the mm. end of the movie, when he had to be treated for cancer himself, he, he was training his students to talk to them by their name and did all of this. That I think part of the problem is the, the emphasis is on the wrong syllable, as, as they say. They need to speak and get to know the person. And as Reginald brought up before, it's an environment around each person. And that has an impact. And not only nutritionally, but emotionally and uh, what, what stressors they're, they're facing. A lot of these things are treated as symptoms rather than seeing the connection, the mind-body connection of how all of this relates. Uh, Deepak Chopra talks about your, um, your mind eavesdrops on, your immune system eavesdrops on your thoughts. Exactly. It, it, it's really true. And that exactly. we, can, we, we need to really take stock of not, I think as more women doctors are in the field, I think as more women doctors are, are um, educators in the field, I think you're going to see some changes there. But uh, I, I, it's just attitudinal. It's, our culture is so riddled with domination. And I yeah. think that, that that is part of the problem for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree um, uh, with what you said uh, on, on that, Michelle, things too. And I and in regards to like people of color, I would like to see um, doctors, you know, um, I, I spoke was speaking with the doctor a couple of weeks ago and he said that um, he just come from a conference and uh, he says, and one thing that they taught them was to no longer refer to your patient as Mr. and Mrs. Lewis or whatever, you know, just call them John, if that's their first name, you know. So in other words, you know, consistently, you know, dumb them down, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? No respect or anything. So they're, 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 and it's, and it's the, and it's the environment and what they're learning. They're not teaching them empathy. They're not teaching them sympathy. They're not teaching them to be open-minded. They're not teaching them, to be cautious of racism. They're not teaching them any of that. And all of these things need to be taught in the, in, in, in the medical industry. So if any of you all are out there listening, you know, I hope you're listening and take this to heart because we all are red and white corpuscle human beings. And whether you believe it or not, we all come from the same source. And um, when, when they say to a person of color, for example, without any test or anything, um, as my brother had referred to, oh, you know, people of color got the worst of this and that, this and that, and that, and this and this and that. But if a person of color went in and give blood, you would take it and you would advance from that. So how do you explain that? That in itself is very racist and it's just nothing but another tick in to try to keep a segment of the population down. I'm just going to say it, period. OK, drop the mic on that. Um, so doctors need to. Uh, 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 you know, to do better and to be better on that. Because when I go to see a, a, a doctor and they're not, you know, I'm a huge advocate for myself, you know, and, and my husband and vice versa. So, you know, we go in there. No, we don't just sit there and, and shake our heads like a bobbing head doll. You're not going to say any of these things, especially if you haven't even examined me. You don't know I have an anus, but you want to do a colonoscopy. That doctors listening to me out there is insane. Okay. So stop driving people through like cattle 
um, as that picture, that Michelle uh, movie, Michelle referred to, uh, it does come back to you. Okay. So trust me on that, but that that's a whole nother discussion. Okay. I have probably about two minutes left, but, um, you know, there's so many, so much gun violence and things uh, in this country. I do know that uh, Biden um, is now, uh, you know, he's been doing it, though, um, opening up about how can you curtail, you know, so much gun violence. Um, with the little bit of time I have left, Reginald, um, can you, you know, in, you know, in about 30, 40 seconds, uh, tell like two things that you would, um, you know, like to see the administration do to, um, you know, deal with this gun violence in this country. Yeah, and and it's something that 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 has to that has to be done. Um, uh, you know, this country just can't keep on in in the current situation that that is in. It it, it just can't. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, whatever I'll just say this: whatever can be done by law, or however it can be done to uh, eliminate the, 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 the access of, of guns and gun violence needs, needs to be done. You know, the governor of Texas, you know, they've, they've, they've passed laws where now, you know, you can just walk around with a gun, open care. You know, it's like they want this to be like some cowboy movie in 1845 where everybody walks around with a gun on their hip or a gun in their, in, in, in their hand. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it's okay to have guns. It's okay to have guns, but it's okay forbid to... that you uh-huh. have health care. Exactly. You know, yeah. Guns, but health care, no, no schools, no school, uh, no uh, exactly. For elderly, no taking care of our veterans. Oh darn, we don't have no. money for that. Sorry, you know. Making sure, so, making sure people have food to eat. I don't mean to cut you off, um, um, uh, good looking, but Michelle, can I quickly hear your, um, your your take on this? Well, I think it's enforcing the laws. I think yesterday was a big gun day. Uh, mm-hmm. Rachel Maddow had this fabulous thing where they tricked these NRA people into speaking, and it, it, there was no school. They, it was it was a joke, and it, it, all the chairs represented the deaths of all the students. Three over three thousand of them in front of there was nobody in the audience, and it was it was really revealing. That uh, to allow a a group like the NRA, NRA that is so corrupt in and of itself to to administer to these laws that the the gun lobby, I I think you know everybody. I once again, we have to take personal responsibility, and if you own a gun, keep it in a safe place so these kids don't get hold of it, and yeah. it's 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 just. Uh, I think it's an awareness, and I, I don't. I don't know what's so fearful in our culture that everybody feels they have to be armed and dangerous. It's 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 a it's a, it, that's a whole nother discussion. It's a psychological thing, but I'm going to have to stop you right there, uh, Michelle. I so appreciate your, um, you know, your your conversation. Time goes by so quickly. Thank you, um, um, Michelle Kubis, uh, for being on with me. And um, hopefully you'll be able to be on with me next month. Reginald, you know you'll be on with me. Thank you so much for your commentary. Thank you out there for listening to me. I really appreciate it. Have a blessed day. Thank you to Randy Meyer, the best engineer in the world. And um, you all be safe out there. God bless you. 
Be kind to yourself and be kind to others. This is Teresa E. Keeves. Go out and make it a great day.